Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked on Canadians. Is Ben Sherratt on his way to the New York Rangers? Are the Canadians going to be selling off even more than we thought? And what's the latest on Jordan Harris? We'll have answers and speculation on all of these things inside today's show. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 554 of Locked On Canadians. We are back after a one-day stint on the injured list. Laura and I were both not feeling well. So we are sorry to have missed an episode for y'all, but luckily nothing of note truly occurred in Montreal, which is always a good sign. My biggest fear is I was going to get home, lie down after work, and all hell was going to break loose. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metla, and as always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it's Ben Sherratt trade season, S-Z-N, as the kids these days say. Uh, how are we feeling now, two days post a Foley and maybe a week pre-Ben Sherat to whomever? I think for me, I have already been resigned to Ben Sherat leaving as soon as the season started tanking. Uh, I think, you know, he's a great rental for old school hockey guys. They like a big dude who's hard to move from in front of the goalie. Unfortunately, that also means goals get deflected in off of his butt. But that's not going to be our problem for very much longer. I do, I, I, I do love Ben Chirot, you know, like as, as, as a fan. Uh, but in hockey wise, I think that the Canadians are going to be likely able to fleece whoever trades for him. And it seems like we are closer and closer and closer to that Ben Chirot trade. Pierre LeBron expects it to be done potentially within the next week to ten days, and things are heating up ahead of March twenty first, the trade deadline, which. Duh, I could have told you that. Of course, things are heating up. We just traded Tyler DeFoley, <laughs> who's one of the names at the deadline there. and That's literally lighting the match right there. When things are heating up, trading Tyler DeFoley for four things, but potentially five, is lighting that match. And I would say it's not a small thing. It's not like a little like middling guy for picks or picks for a couple of... The, it's like it, they traded Tyler DeFoley, who was going to probably fetch a ton in the trade market here, so... Kent Hughes kind of set the market on that, and we will have more uh, from Kent Hughes. He spoke today to the media after that. He has been out and about doing a little scouting. He was in Boston for the Bean Pot, and we will have a Jordan Harris update later on in the show. The biggest thing is here is that Ben Sherrod is more than likely on the move. He is very likely gone very soon. Uh, like you said, when the season started to go down the drain, it kind of made sense to let him go and – one of the names emerging, we've talked Calgary, we've talked, you know, teams like the Oilers. The Rangers appear to be coming on strong as a potential favorite for Ben Sherratt. And my thought is with all the things that Chris Drury did as GM, which means all the things that James Dolan wanted Chris Drury to do as a GM, Ben Sherratt fits that mentality they want. They don't want to be bullied around. They want to be hard to play against. They went out and got Ryan Reeves. They got a Sammy Blay. They got Barclay Goudreau. And adding Ben Sherratt to a, a back group that has a guy like Keandre Miller, who is big and tough, and Adam Fox, who is phenomenal, 
it does help round out and solidify their defensive court. I don't think Ben Sherrod is all that good this season. I don't know how much of that is the Habs, and I don't know how much of that is him being Ben Sherrod and not having Shea Weber, <laughs> Jeff Petrie anymore. So, I think I, that I, he did. He did. He did have a good start to the season personally just him alone i think and then it sort of uh tanked i think after after everybody got covid he started going back to the mistake prone ben Sherrod. and and that's the thing is it's for someone who's there to solidify the defense he wasn't there like he couldn't help brace jeff petrie and petrie struggled and they're missing the the biggest thing i've taken out of all is that the defense really misses joel edmondson and shea weber which if you told me that at the beginning of last season, when I looked at those guys, I went, we're going to miss those two, but um, we haven't gotten an update on Joel Edmondson in a while. That's a, that's a topic for Friday. Uh, we will He's touch been on skating, that. skating is my understanding. Well, that doesn't help us that much. <laughs> to be fair, that's <laughs> yeah, what most of the defense has the been team. doing. So they've been <laughs> skating, uh, not yeah. effectively, but, and my first thought is uh, with, Jeff Gorton being in house, he knows who's in the Rangers prospect pool. And there's a couple of names that I thought were really interesting. Braden Schneider, who has been playing in the NHL this year. And I believe he went back to junior. I might not be hundred percent correct on that. Uh, Nils Lundqvist, who is playing in the AHL currently with the Hartford Wolfpack, Wolfpack and then Vitaly Kratsov, who has was sent down and then went back to Russia. Cause he didn't want to play in the AHL. He wanted to play NHL or bust. I think those are all names that Habs fans are going to be drooling over. And I'd like to throw in the name Brett Berard as well. He's someone I wanted in his draft year. And then he was just outside the Habs range there. Uh, there's options. If they can get a first round pick, I think they're doing quite well. And I don't think they're going to get a high end prospect and a first, I think they're going to get a first and a mid tier guy, or they're going to get a great prospect and then like a second or a third if they're lucky. And to the Rangers guy going out there saying that Vitaly Kratsov is worth the Canadians' first-round pick this year, you're wrong because Kratsov doesn't want to play for the Rangers. You have no leverage in that trade, and our first-round pick is going to be first overall. Um, <laughs> I know that weed is legal in New York now. Stop it. <laughs> so uh, we're in silly season, so there's all kinds of nonsense out there across the board. Uh, Laura, I wondered if you had any more thoughts on what you'd like to see in return for a Ben Sherratt trade besides the dismissal of Ben Sherratt from the Canadian. <laughs> I, you know what, honestly, I honestly don't know what to expect because me personally, Ben Sherratt for another few months is worth like a fifth rounder, right? But the market is way <laughs> higher than that. I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I love Ben Sherratt. He's just on the ice. He's not worth more than a fifth rounder. But the market is such that, like, they're going to get more than that for him. So I think for me, a decent level pick, yeah, you know, like not too late is amazing for Ben Sherratt. Like, I, I my, my bar is set pretty low because of the way that I view players like Ben Sherratt. But obviously, the hockey men don't necessarily view him in that way. And again, love Ben. Very glad to get any kind of return for him. And I think that's the biggest thing is that when the playoffs come around, every smart GM, because even Kyle Dubas and the smart GMs are at fault for this, they go, playoffs. I need an idiot on the ice. And they go out <laughs> and they get that. Like they've acquired, I've seen teams acquire Luke Shen for the playoff run, um, Zach Bogosian. 
uh, Nick Foligno, like Kyle Clifford. Like these guys are, you know, might be good in a vacuum and Ben Chirot's right there with them. And like they're truculent, right? That's <laughs> yeah, they're the Brian Burks of hockey, the Brian Burke guy. It's like, and here's the thing is in a vacuum, if you can handle the things well around them, it, it works out great, but they want them to go out there and block a butt ton of shots and punch a dude in the face and then, you know, solve world hunger and then realize they're a third pairing defenseman who can't skate and then you have an issue. My hope is that Gorton and Hughes find someone for that. And we're going to come back to Ben Sherratt when we get to our final segment because Kent Hughes had a very strong message about that. And speaking of trades and who might be leaving, who's staying Darren Dreger had a list of players who might be out the door if Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon have their way. We're going to touch on uh, order of who we think is actually going to leave out of that, and that's coming up next. But first, the football season is over. Basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And for all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And as always, thank you for making Locked On Canadians your first listen of the day every single day. Make sure you check out Olympic Hockey Daily presented by Locked On NHL. It's a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it on the Locked On NHL podcast feed. And like this show, it is free and available wherever you get your shows. So we know Ben Sherratt was going. We thought Tyler Toffoli might go. We thought he might stay. Darren Dreger had a very interesting list today when he was on, I believe it was TSN 690, talking ahead of the trade deadline and the Canadians' disaster piece of a season. And there were four names that he mentioned that the Canadians would put in a would-like-to-move category. And I have some reservations about some of that. And those names were Mike Hoffman, Christian Dvorak, Jonathan Drouin, and Arturi Lekkanen, and because if you buy four, you're getting a fifth free. I'm throwing Jeff Petrie in there because there's too much smoke around his name. And my first thought out of those first four, I go, there were three mistakes by Mark Bergevin and one of his actual drafting successes. Uh, out of all of those, I don't like the idea of trading Arturi Lekkanen, even though he probably has the most value out of all three of them. Uh, Laura, I'm curious to see who on that list you think is the most likely to be shipped out at this trade deadline, not at the end of the season at the draft, but like this trade deadline this year. You know, the thing is I would miss, I would ordinarily think Dvorak, uh, but I think that the Canadians have a little less leverage on that one. I, and also he is kind of injury prone, right? So there's that as well. It is center depth though. So I do think that, you know, it would make sense for a team. I feel like, I feel like eventually they're all four of them are going to get moved, but I'm I'm not happy about Lekkanen exactly like you said. We brought this up before, uh, and with Jeff Petrie, I think a lot of people are acting like it's sure that Jeff Petrie will be moved. Here's the thing: the Canadians said that they've talked to everybody and they're continuing to openly communicate with all of their players whether they're being uh, they're they're desirous to leave or they want to stay or they have a no move or whatever. And so I do feel that with Jeff Petrie. He wants to move back to the States. 
But if a good deal is not there, this management team is not stupid. They're not going to trade him just for the sake of trading him. Because you've got two options with Jeff Petrie. You've got trade him now. You've got trade him at the draft. And then you've got hope he comes back next season better with whatever it is that he needs, whether it's treatment for injuries or psychological assistance or maybe just for his family not to be so far away from him, right? We're talking about all restrictions being lifted now in Quebec. And, you know, that was one of the reasons that his wife took the kids and went back to Michigan. So it's hard to be away from your family. It's rough, especially when your wife is pregnant. So, you know, he has expressed desire to be traded to the states but that doesn't necessarily mean the canadians will honor his request and they are honest about about that if there's a good return all right see you jeff but if not like you've got multiple options with with jeff petrie as in terms of jonathan drouin jonathan drouin i think is definitely a piece where i feel like he should go somewhere where he's valued I, I think that he's done a really great job in Montreal in the last couple of years, earning back that trust from the fans for whatever reason who are too hard on him. Uh, and I think, you know, I think that like another team looking for secondary scoring or somebody with more of a playmaker, sort of somebody to fit in to help one of their pure goal scorers score, like they'd be looking for Jonathan Drew. And I think you could get a pretty decent return for a pretty decent player. As far as Hoffman goes, he's got two years left. So you really think that, it's not going to be a trade deadline rental, obviously. So it's got to be a team that wants to keep him around for two years after this one. So that one's a little bit tougher because if he only had, if he only had like the rest of the season left on his contract, I think it would be like, he would be the first person to be snapped up and there would be a bidding war because he can score goals when put in the right position. But teams that would want to trade trade for him need to have that right situation for him. So I don't know that it's all that likely that he goes, whereas Arturi Lekkinen, any smart GM knows the value of that contract. It's a really economical contract for a really versatile player. He doesn't score 40 goals a season. But then again, few people do. So I think that for me, the reason that teams would want Arturi Lekkinen is also the exact same reason that I would want to keep Arturi Lekkinen. And, and I look at this list too, and like you said, Petrie is is them doing this out of a kindness. Like if they find the right deal, and like I said, when we get to our last segment here, we're going to talk on Kent Hughes's methodology going into this trade deadline, or at least from what I can tell. But I don't mind them trying to see if they can find a buyer for Mike Hoffman because he clearly doesn't fit this team. This team's not going to fit what he's probably looking for in his career. And we've seen what it kind of looks like right now where he's just kind of lackadaisical and he doesn't fit into anything. Move that out. Get that cap space back because this team's at $90 million in cap space right now with people on LTIR, this and that. And next year they're at $78 million without other things. That's still very close to the ceiling for a team that needs to kind of retool on the fly here a little bit. And that's with 10 players signed next year. It's a lot of money on the books for a team that isn't going to be competing for anything next year. And then the Christian Dvorak one is definitely the most interesting thing to me is that we've heard, heard Pierre Lebrun say it. We've heard rumblings before that there are teams out West that like Christian Dvorak who think he is better than what he has shown this season. And I quite frankly agree with them that I think he is better than what he has shown this season. And that goes for a lot of people on the Canadians is that they are better than what this season has showed for them right now. And if the deal's there, you run Nick Suzuki, Ryan Palin, Jake Evans, and X next season or whomever, and you go with that. And that's not the worst idea in the world. 
assuming you have a retooling plan in place here, which I think, quite frankly, Hughes and Gorton do, which is nice. And Druin, I don't know. Like, I do think that there's a team out there that would go, I want Jonathan Druin because I missed out on Claude Giroux at the trade deadline. Get me Claude Giroux light, Jonathan Druin, but he plays on the wing. I don't think that's a terrible idea. And there's going to be a team out there looking for, like you said, that kind of playmaking talent. And what has he got? He's on, is he on the injured list too? He is on the injured list. Isn't he? he is. He's on the IR and he has one year left after this one at 5.5 million. Uh, if Tyler Toffoli was appealing to some teams, I don't see any reason why Jonathan Drouin might not be either, especially a team that can better insulate him. Like if the Avs, for whatever reason, miss out on Claude Giroux, could they be interested in Jonathan Drouin? You get McKinnon and Drouin back together again. Would the Wild be interested in someone like that? There's there's options out there. And if I'm ranking through the names that were listed there, I think Lekkinen is likely gone at the trade deadline, whether we like it or not. I think Dvorak is going to be a surprise. Uh, I think Petrie's the third on that list, just because that term might scare some teams off. Then it's Hoffman, and then it's Drouin right now. Hoffman's term and contract price are going to scare some people off, I think. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, I think that uh, someone like Brett Kulak is likely gone at the trade deadline. Chris Weidman might be going for a bag of peanuts at this point. Um and then I keep an eye on someone like Michael Pizzetta, honestly, who has endeared himself to fans. But 23, cheap contract, energy guy. You talk about people who they want playing down the stretch when the games get tough. Why not a guy that's going to give it out or go all out every single night? Uh, Laura, do you have any last uh, parting thoughts on who you think might be going uh, other than the names that we've already listed? I don't really think so because it, you've, you've got to look at the market. And again, if Jake Allen comes back before the trade deadline, he's definitely going to be on the list. That's that's something that I think is like a foregone conclusion. So not I completely to, not forgot to... Jake Allen was on this team because he's been injured for so long and everything yeah. spiraled so badly without Jake Allen was the glue holding the Canadians together. What who could have who could have foreseen <laughs> this plot line this season? Yeah, and that's the thing is like, you know, like selfishly, I, I want him to get better ASAP, but I hope that they don't reactivate him before the trade deadline so that the Canadians can keep him for a little bit. Um, because, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan, but I also do think that definitely if he's okay, if he's ready to play, there's going to be a team looking for a goaltender. And uh, for sure, he, you know, he's going to fetch a return, especially since he's on an economical contract for next year as well. I, I don't see you know, a team like, for example, Edmonton, you know, there's definitely teams that are going to be on the lookout for goaltending help. And uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like in my heart, I feel like he's going to get traded. Absolutely. I, I would think that entirely. So uh, coming up final segment here is Ken Hughes at a press conference. Ken Hughes said some things, and they were good things, positive things. I am not fearful that our GM spoke at a press conference, and we're going to delve into that coming up in one second. So, like we said, Ken Hughes said some words, and they were good, and I'm positive about how the direction that this team is going right now, which is a rare occurrence because we haven't had that in quite some time where we didn't have a GM looking like he was going to jump over the podium and fight who was ever in the front row. And I look at this. And the first thing is he talked about Jordan Harris. He went out to the bean pot. He watched Jordan Paris play Luke tuck in the bean pot. 
Luke Tuck's Boston Terriers beat the Northeastern Huskies. So Jordan Harris and Jaden Struble did not win the bean pot this year, but he had a nice long conversation with him. And Harris himself said that they had spoken that he, that Kent Hughes has seen him play hockey for 10 years, which as a player agent does make sense a little bit. So I'm feeling better and better about this. And I think that Jordan Harris isn't a mandatory piece that is needed for uh, this rebuild, but he makes things a little bit easier in that you can build around an Alexander Romanov. You can build around a Matthias Norlinder. You can build around a Jordan Harris as three players in there. You can keep a Joel Edmondson. You can keep a guy like Kale Clegg and see what they have. Even some of these guys in Laval, Corey Schooneman, uh, Louis Belpedio, which I'm not saying he's a prospect. He's 26 years old. But there's options there, and I think Harris is a big part of that, and he's a modern defensive defenseman. He's smooth skating. He makes a lot of really nice plays, and I've said it before. He reminds me a lot of Brett Kulak. His offensive numbers aren't always going to wow you, but he's stable, and you know what you're getting. And Hughes and Gordon are going to know what they are getting in him because they've seen him play. They've watched him play a lot. And compared to where we were at a couple of months ago where Mark Bergevin said – if he wants to go to Boston or he wants to go to New York, there really isn't much we can do. Kent Hughes really didn't take that. And he kind of went, no, there's plenty I can do here right now. I I like that. It, the, the fact that the Canadians GM at the time said, well, there's nothing I can do is just throwing in the towel before you've even tried. And got to be honest, not about that life at all. So I'm I'm very... Uh, positive and optimistic coming out of the first part of Kent Hughes's press conference. Yeah, absolutely. And he was asked if the pre-existing relationship was going to help him uh, get Jordan Harris signed and under contract. And he said, actually, I don't think it's the relationship at all. I think it's whether or not we can sell him on what we're trying to do here in Montreal. So I also think that part of the temptation for Jordan Harris uh, was to go to Boston or New York or whatever it is that those organiza organizations seemed like much less of a tire fire than the Montreal Canadians. That's not to say the Canadians currently are not a tire fire, but they are, <laughs> um, they're, they're writing the ship, right? So they, they're being transparent. I love the transparency of that, that press conference. As always, he said, you know, I'm in contact with Ben Sherrod every day. Um, he said things like, you know, he, 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 he knew that uh, Tyler Toffoli would leave a, a, a void for the younger players, but at the same time, that, that was the right situation. They didn't want to wait and all of that. And he, you know, he, he's, he's very good at saying the right things. I think that comes from being a lawyer and being an agent. Uh, but I did like when he said that, you know, he wasn't going to rely on his pre-existing relationship, whether Jordan Harris is like an opponent to his sons or friends with his sons, you know, like they, they, they've come up in hockey together along with Martin San Luis son. Uh, I think, you know, he was, he said he wasn't going to rely on that. I think he understands very much that, if you want a player to sign in Montreal, whether it's Jordan Harris or like, I don't know, Sidney Crosby or whatever, or Claude Giroux, <laughs> uh, you know, you have to sell them on playing in Montreal. You have to sell them on the vision. Nobody wants to go to a team that sucks, you know? And, you know, there's a lot that's made of things like taxes and things like that. But Ken Hughes himself said that there's ways to structure contact, contracts that aren't gonna you know that are gonna not not hit you that hard in terms of tax rates and and things like that so you know he knows what it is and players who come here they love the city their wives love the city it's not 
it's not a case where people come here and they're miserable. The reason it's hard to sign here is because it's hard to win here. And when you have a vision, when you have that positivity, I mean, how many players that signed in the off season last season said that it was the Canadians like challenging the, the uh, penguins and the flyers in the bubble that made them want to sign here because they thought that they were building something. And that's definitely something that they lost this season. So to me, anytime you want to get a player to sign, whether it's a player like a young player who's in your prospect system or a player that's a, that's a hot free agent, if you can't sell them on an idea that it's possible to win in your city, it doesn't matter how great your city is. Lots of people want to play here if they get a chance to win because they know that losing in Montreal is probably a lot harder than losing in other cities where hockey is not as much of a religion. I was to say, you get told you suck in two languages on Twitter and social media instead of just one. So, <laughs> there's... I mean, this is a city where there, like, there was literally a course in a university. I want to say it was Université de Montréal about how the Canadians were a religion in the city, and this is like years and years ago, obviously. So it's definitely, it's definitely a lot. It's definitely a lot. But I think that with this management, there's a lot of hope that the younger players will want to stick with Montreal and not go into the free agent pool. And I think the, um, you know, in a couple of years, we're going to be singing different tunes in the off seasons. And one last thing to touch on before we go in today's show here is that Kent Hughes made one very strong point, And I love this is that Kent Hughes already done something. Mark Bergevin has not done as a GM. He traded for a first round pick. Bergevin was here 10 years and never did that. Did he trade for former first-round picks? Yes, but this is the first time an actual first-round pick has been traded back to Montreal in quite some time. I think the last one was, oh, God, the Craig Reve trade, maybe? I I think, which is... That's the Pacioretty one, right? Yeah, that's the one that became Max Pacioretty. That was 15 years ago. Like, ancient history in terms of hockey. But... Hughes said something at his presser today is that he's not going to wait for somebody else to set the market. He traded Tyler Toffoli because he didn't want to wait. There was interest. And if you have a deal and it is a good one, these players can be yours. He said, if you want Ben Sherratt, make the right offer and he is yours. It's basically an ultimatum going, I have what you want for some reason. Come and get it. Take, offer me, you know, and it creates a I don't want to say a false sense of urgency, but it forces GMs to act. Because if there was one that wanted to lay low and wait for Ben Sherratt, maybe at the deadline to see if the Cavs didn't get any offers, they don't know if another GM is going, oh, crap, we got we to gotta get a package together on this. We got to get that dumb himbo idiot who scores on his own net five times in a playoff game for some reason. Get me that man right now. I don't care what it takes. Take all these prospects. I don't need them. I'm the Oilers and Give them to the Canadians. And that urgency that Kent Hughes is creating is he's putting himself in a leverageable position, that he is in a better spot now. Because like we said, everyone knows Ben Sherratt's getting traded. Everyone knows the Habs suck this year. And Kent Hughes still somehow holds cards in this to make himself come out on top here. And I think that is a huge deal. And I think that goes for all these players. You want Jonathan Drew in? Step right up and offer me something. If I don't want it, you're not getting it. Come back next time. Maybe someone else will offer me something better. Maybe you should definitely consider shooting me a little text real quick there. Don't have green bubbles, though, because then I know you're not serious about this. So (laughs) 
it's going to be a really interesting couple of weeks. And having Hughes come out and say this and be open, it's refreshing. It's not, well, we'll see and things are difficult because trades are hard. Trades are only hard if you don't try to be. I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of intricacies that I don't know because I am just a podcast host sitting in an apartment in Buffalo, New York with a dog sleeping on the couch in the other room. I am not an NHL GM, but I see other teams make trades and go for it. Why can't my team do that? I am very happy to see a GM try a new approach. And by the time we record this and it is out tomorrow, the Canadians could have traded half their prospect pool. And it would not surprise me at all because this year's Canadians team is full of surprises. As always, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at LO underscore Canadians. Tweet us your mailbag questions because that is tomorrow's show, folks. It's going to be a good time. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. Please subscribe on YouTube. We hit 500 subscribers and my co-host eats something disgusting and I get to laugh for <laughs> once. Um, and if we hit 1,000 before the draft, well, I'll do something at the draft and people can watch in person and mock me for that. And when you're done listening to us, please check out Locked on Bets, where your boy Q and Lee Sterling have all the betting info you need to come out on top. They are free and available on all podcasting devices, just like we are.